there's a part of me, when I hear college students, uh, young adults, I hear you guys singing, I will follow you, I hear you, crying up to God and saying, there's nothing this world has for me. It's just a beautiful thing. A few weeks ago in, in student ministry, we were singing, follow you anywhere. Uh, it's a new song, my passion, I love the song, but the song is so impactful and it's it, it, it stating how much you desire, how much you want to follow God with uh, nothing holding you back. And that is a beautiful thing. I don't want to misstate that. But when we sing that, do we really understand what that means when we sing that? I mean, do, do we get into the emotion? Do we get into uh, the sounds good, the groove, all these songs have been good? Do we get it and we're just singing it, we're saying it, and then all of a sudden it sinks in? Like, hold on a second. Like, I know that just a second ago I was singing, uh, I'll follow you. This world has nothing for me, but the last week I've done nothing but fill myself with as much of the world as I could get a hold of. It hurts. It's hard. We sing these bold songs, and I want to encourage us to do that. I want to encourage us to boldly live for Christ. I'm going to be honest, guys. Playing the game, singing the songs, saying the words, but being halfway out, it's not going to get us anywhere. And so we focus this semester, and we're talking about being all in. All in for Jesus. There's no such thing as halfway in, right? There's no such thing as half committed. We, we act like there is, but it's really this false dichotomy about what it means to be committed. Because committed is committed. It's all the way in. You either are or you're not. And so these messages, uh, what scripture tells us, and things that Jesus Christ himself says, sometimes they get really hard. And we, and we try to explain it, right? We try to say, well, Jesus really didn't mean this. or Yeah, but you got to take this in grace and understand it. I understand that. But when Jesus said count the cost, he meant count the cost. When Jesus said you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, to us it's a verse and, and we think of a cross that we wear as a necklace or that we see on a window or we see everywhere else. But in those days when they're sitting there walking for miles and miles seeing Jews crucified on the streets, bloodied, Naked and bruised down on the street. When they hear, you must pick up your cross. They knew exactly what that meant. They say, well, Jesus, are you sure you want me to do that? Like, you want me to, like, be at a little bit of a disadvantage, a little handicapped? I get it. But to pick up your cross. Wow. So what does it mean? I'm going to ask you that tonight. I'm going to ask you what it means to be in, all in for Jesus. And here's the kicker. This semester, yes, is about being all in for Jesus, but I'm not going to wait until April or May to ask you to go all in. I'm not going to wait for you to get financially stable. I'm not going to wait for you to figure out what you're doing with your career or your uh, life choices or if you're married or if you're happy in a relationship. I'm not going to wait for you to do all any of those things. I'm going to ask that if you love Jesus and you want to follow after him, that you go all in and you go all in now. In poker, we use that phrase, right? We say, I'm going all in. And when you do that, you push all in. You put all your chips in, and there's no reserve. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called all in. There's nothing. There's no security blanket. There's nothing. If you lose this hand, 
then you have nothing. The good thing about how we play poker in life, the good thing about going all in with Jesus, we don't have to play with our own money. And the confidence that we have in Jesus, we can say, I can go all in, not because TJ is strong enough to go all in, not because TJ is able to go all in, because he's mustered up the strength to go all in, but because I'm confident in Jesus Christ and the fact that he went all in and what he did, I'm right on that tap. John says it this way. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what has been asked of him. And the author of Hebrews says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Tonight, I want you to realize that God has freely given us the ability to go all in. The New Testament writers understood and had such great confidence in Jesus. They're either witnessing and seeing what Jesus did himself or just a generation removed from watching the man, the perfect man, walk this earth and do what he did thousands of years ago for you and for me. Don't wait. So why should we be all in? You're saying, TJ, you're saying go all in. You're saying follow after Jesus. But it sounds pretty tough. As a matter of fact, you've been kind of negative about it. And you're talking about counting the cost. Why in the world should I go all in? I'm riding the fence. I'm not really sure about this Christianity thing. Why in the world should I go all in for Jesus? Well, we can look at scripture for that. You don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take my word of what it means to go all in. We can look at scripture for that. So let's look in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you've got your Bible with you, feel free to turn there. We'll be in a few places tonight, but mostly in 1 Kings and in Luke. So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha of Shaphan. He was plied with 12 yoke of oxen, or, or 12 teams of oxen. It's a big group. And he himself was driving the 12th pair, meaning Elisha, we don't know exactly what his role was, but to be in the 12th pair of the 12 teams of oxen had some sort of authority, whether his family is the one who owned the property or whatever that means. They had a lot of money. They, had, they were well off in that time to have all that equipment. And he is driving the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. He said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment <coughs> excuse me, to cook the meat and give it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So wait a minute, do you ever just read a story and you think, did, did that really just happen? That this guy, Elisha, who is in uh, his adult years, younger but in his adult years, is just minding his business. He's plowing the fields. He's behind the yoke. He's working with the oxen, no doubt in, in horrible terrain, which is why you had 12 oxen yoked together, because the ground, it's not like we have here. Very tough. And he's doing hard work, hard manual labor. And out of nowhere, Elijah comes out and says, hey, I'm going to throw my cloak around you. And I want you to come after me. 
That's insane. At, at a glimpse, you think the big deal, uh, you know, is that he's leaving his job. Some of you guys work a job and you're thinking, hey, I'd do anything to leave my job, right? I can't stand my job. I'll go follow Jesus. But if you say that and you think about that, then you obviously don't know what Elisha went through the rest of his life. And you obviously don't know the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. So I said he was on the 12th pair and, and all this is happening and he's leaving and he says, but, but hold on Elijah, I want to go say goodbye to my family. Reasonable, right? We love our family. Someone says, hey, I want you to go with me. And it's not like we're going like down the road or we're not going to Nashville and we're coming back. Like you're going with me maybe forever. You'll never see your family again. And he says, I want to go say goodbye to my family. And Elijah's offended. When you see this story and you see what's taking place, what Elijah is first trying to get across to Elisha is that being all in for Jesus will require a sacrifice. See, that, that very guy that we're going all in for, if he himself didn't make it out without sacrifice, what makes it think that we should? We can't. Being all in for Jesus <coughs> requires a sacrifice. And then Elijah throws his cloak around him. It's hot. It's in the desert. I get this picture, you know, of, of a guy being smooth. He throws his jacket around a girl, that kind of thing. Like you're trying to make him comfortable. This is not the picture we're getting here. This is what would happen then. A king would throw his cloak around someone to say, hey, I see equality in you. I respect you and give you honor. There was a symbol to that. And, and you know the Old Testament. If you read the Old Testament enough and even into the New Testament, that symbolism is such a big deal. I mean, that's why we celebrate in communion. That's why we celebrate baptism. But this was to say, Elijah to say, I've done my work. Elisha, God sees you as prepared and ready. The call's on you now. You're in. What a great calling. It's the same cloak that Elijah would take and slap the water and split the Jordan in two. The same cloak that Elisha would do the same. But yet the power wasn't in the cloak. The calling wasn't in the cloak. The cloak itself was not what made it worth it, but it was the God who passed the mantle to Elisha and said, you're up. All of us at some point, and we think, God's saying, you're up to me. We think, well, what job is before me? What am I supposed to do? Every single one of you, if you consider yourself a follower of Christ, let me tell you, God has looked at you and said, you're up. It's time. Not wait till later. The cloak has been thrown around us. It's time. So what does Elisha do? He says he wants to say goodbye to his mom and dad. And as I read this so many times, I've read it so many times in my life, I thought this is, this is harmless. Why does Elijah seem offended? And, and depending on how you read the Hebrew, you could say like, Hey, uh, possibly, why are you going? There's a lot of things, but it's, it's very evident that Elijah is saying, I don't understand. Don't you get it? It's like Elijah knew all that could stop Elisha in the process when he goes to see his mom and dad. All the distractions before him that could keep him from following God. Some of you guys know those distractions. Some of you guys are great following God here, but if you were to return to your campus, 
to wherever that place is where sin is super comfortable for you, you know those distractions. And I don't know, we don't have intent here uh, that we can say this is exactly what Elijah, but I just feel like it's saying, hey, I know what can stop you from following. Jesus got it right because I believe Jesus mentions this very story. That Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 9, and he's thinking about this very story with Elijah and Elisha. And I'll tell you why. Look in Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Sound familiar? Kind of song we just sang. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus clearly uh, would not make a good effort on a welcoming team at uh, church, right? It's like, hey, we want to follow. Get out of here. Don't you know what you're getting yourself signed up for, right? We're like, hey, what kind of coffee do you like? Hey, let me get you a pillow. You want to take a nap? It's cool. We don't really care. Just do whatever you want. Just give us some time. Jesus went about that. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Pretty important thing, right? Jesus says to him, and what I feel like is such a super harsh statement. Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Just as Elisha said. And this is how Jesus replies. What was Elisha doing when Elijah came? Where was he working? In the field with a plow. And Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. My dad is here tonight. And he uh, has been around a farm his whole life. And, and we have a little garden that we uh, have every year. And... and Sometimes greater than others, right? But it's very important. I don't know why I didn't grow up in it. But dad, he's always plowing these rows and he wants them to be perfectly straight. And I don't get it. I'm like, just, just make the line. But it's so important because we don't want the okra to get over here in the bush beans, right? We don't need any of that. We don't need this over here with the watermelon. These two don't interact well. We want perfectly straight lines. And if you're plowing with a, with a yoke, and it's moving forward. You're looking back. What's happening? Some of you guys know what that's like. Jesus today would probably say, no one who drives and texts on the phone is fit to be in the kingdom of God. Right? <laughs> All over the place. There can be no distractions. Burying your own family. You don't skip out on your family's funeral because Jesus said this and I said That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus was saying. But here's the difference in me preaching and Jesus preaching. Jesus would preach and he would look in the hearts of people and he knew exactly what was there. You see that in story after story with his disciples, disciple after disciple, the rich young ruler would go on and on. Jesus knew what was going on and he knew here and he said, look, your priorities aren't here. And I'm letting you know that the kingdom of God is more important than anything that could ever happen here. And you're saying you want to go all in, but you just want to go in. You're saying you want to follow me, but... But really you don't. Because if it came down to it, I know your heart. And that you would choose yourself over what the kingdom may lead you to. Man, that's tough, right? But all these responses are important. I remember going through this. 
six, seven years ago when I left for South Mississippi. And I remember driving down there, interviewing at church, and I knew God was calling me down there. But here's the thing about Mississippi. Chase is here. He'd tell you that. There's Mississippi people. We got any other Mississippi people here? Didn't think so. Good. You won't get any. <laughs> there's Mississippi people, and then there's the rest of the world. And Mississippi people know if you're not a Mississippi people. They're like, nah, dude. You, you didn't eat chicken on a stick growing up, and it really shows. Right? <laughs> like, we know this was not you. And I went, and one of the hard interview questions in this place, sweet people, sweet down, some of the best memories of my life, started my family, bought my first house, all those things of Brookhaven, Mississippi, love it. But one of the hardest things for them to get across was that I had a tattoo on my arm. And my dad went down there with my interview, and I wasn't married at the time. And uh, he's, he, I remember him telling me uh, on 65, coming up north, he says, you know, it's not too late to say no. And look, my dad was not trying to throw me off the mission of Jesus, but he knew, hey, this is going to be tough. And there were days, you better believe it, it was tough. I wasn't Mississippi. And that's okay. It was worth every minute of it. If it hadn't been for Mississippi, I would not be here with this in front of you tonight. I promise you that. And God used that. And this is, honestly, I believe this, I believe this. When you give all up for God, you give all of God. And you say, hold on a second, like, so you're telling me I get different degrees of God? Like, I can, I, What I'm telling you is that following Jesus is all or nothing. And if you say, I'm going to be all in, I will get all of God. If I say, I'm not going all in, guess what? None. Nada. Hard truth. But truth, the gospel. Give all of it up, and you'll get all of him. And let me tell you, that ratio is not even close. The all of God will way outmeasure the all that you can give up. It may not feel like it in the moment. You go through that breakup because you know that you have to. You go through giving up that job because it's not going to feel good financially. You go through what you have to go through in a marriage. You go through what you have to go through with a kid. And it does not feel like it's worth it. But I promise you, it's worth it. Why do I know it's worth it? Because I believe God and his word. And he says it's worth it. So this is what Elisha does next. He invites his family to a good barbecue, right? He takes the oak, he cuts it up, he takes the cart, he makes an altar, and he burns it, and he cooks the meat. I don't know exactly why. We didn't see that there was like this big prayer given up or God commanded him to do it. But here's what I think. I think Elisha knew that if he had that cart and he had that oxen behind him, that there would always be that chance when times get tough, and let me tell you, as a guy who's full-time in ministry, there are days, it's tough. I used to work at Knoxville Salvage. What a horrible place to work, but great people, right? Great people. There's days I'm like, maybe I'm going to go back to Knoxville Salvage. But he couldn't do this. He could not go back. He ended it all. He killed the oxen. He killed everything, and he made the sacrifice. He cooked the meat. There's no going back now. I'm sure the family was like, hey, we could have hired somebody else or whatever. But get rid of it. Some of you guys need to do that exact thing. Tonight you need to have a party, a bonfire, and you need to burn some things in your life that keep calling your name. That you step forward to God, you take two steps, 
if every time like a dog to its vomit, you go back to it and you step back to it. Why? Because it's still there. You never killed it in the first place. Sin's a serious thing. God's grace is more serious and it takes care of it. I love that. But guess what? If it's still there, your flesh will always want to go back to it. As a pastor, I'm telling you, giving up to my flesh, it's a dangerous thing. My flesh is a stupid thing. And it always wants to go back. And until this flesh is gone and I get rid of it and I get to spend eternity in glory with Jesus, that struggle's there. And there are some sins, there's temptations, I get it, that bother you, that you don't know how to kill. Find somebody. Get help. If you're waving your arms in the ocean, that's the only way people know you're drowning. Otherwise, we just think you're swimming. Get help. Kill the sin. Burn it. Get rid of it. And start following after Jesus. God's not satisfied with asking you to follow him tomorrow, next semester. He wants you to follow him now. And it won't be easy. And it will be difficult. And it will hurt. But it's worth it. And when you see Jesus the way we should, this is how it happens. I'll close with this. Look in Luke chapter 5. I love Peter. Man, so many great stories from him. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, uh, the one belonging to Simon, which is just another name for Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, pay attention to that. We've worked hard all night and I haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled the boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything and followed them. Why would they do that? Why why would they have just in the moment meeting this guy who they had never known give up all that they had ever built for? All that they had ever done. All they knew was how to be fishermen. It's what they did. Why would they do that? When you truly see Jesus for who he is, you can't help but be all in immediately. In verse 5, Peter uses the word epistata, which is just another word for master. It's what you would say, a Jew would say to anybody in those days that was a teacher. Uh, Big league, little league, doesn't matter. Master. This was a common term. But then Jesus, what does he do? He reveals a glimpse of his glory. 
He shows his miraculous work to the disciples, and they were astonished. And then you look at verse 10. First thing Peter does, he hits his knees. I'll stop there for a second. If you are like me, if in this effort to follow Jesus and you want to go all in before that ever happens, before anything happens with you, let me tell you, the first thing you need to do is hit your knees and humble yourself. Jesus was clearly here in that moment. And Peter saw that he was down here. Holy cow, I'm astonished. I'm amazed before Jesus. And when you see Jesus for who he is, you can't help but be astonished and amazed and just look at this God. And some of you guys are saying, like, I'm not amazed by Jesus. Why am I not amazed by Jesus? Because you don't see him for who he is. Not your Santa Claus. He's God. He is God. And in that moment, what happened? Peter switches his tune. He doesn't say epistata, right? He says kyrios. Lord. Deity. He says, this is God. I'm amazed. And we stop. We humble ourselves because we say, oh my goodness, I am in the presence of an almighty God. And some religions stop right there, like they've got gods and they're big time, right? But here's where ours is different. Our God, our Kyrios, our Lord, he says, hey, come follow me. Come be with me. I want to be in a relationship with you. I love you. This a few years, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give everything up for you. What am I going to ask? Give it all up for me. And not for nothing. But you get to see my glory. You get to see me. And we'll spend eternity together forever. First, what's your card tonight? What do you need to burn in order to follow up to Jesus? Second, get on your knees. Pray to the God of heaven that his grace would cover you. Third, see him as Jesus, see him as Lord. And fourth, get up and go follow him. Like, I'll be in ministry. No, no, just go follow him. I'm a, I'm a student. We'll be a student that follows Jesus and points people to Jesus. Why well, just work this job here? We'll be this person that works this job here that tells me about Jesus. Like we're sitting here waiting for the sign. God, tell me what to do. What should I do? I just want to do all this for you. And he's like, I don't care. Just do it for me. You want to sit and play video games all day and you want to tell people about Jesus? I don't care. Just do it for me. Give it all up for me. And be willing to change like that if I ask you to. Because he's worth it. If you're following him already, great. But I know you ain't perfect. Because I ain't, that's for sure. There are things in my life, there are cards that I'm constantly burning. There are things in my life that distract me from Jesus all the time. What are those things? Nail them down. Take them before the Lord. Find help. Listen to this. Get involved in your local body church. God has gifted you and died for. 
problems, but you're not involved in the local church. God said, hey, I gave this for you. This community of believers for you. If you're not following Jesus, that's what I tell you. He wants you to. His grace is for you. And it's not tomorrow that's your opportunity. It's now. Your chance to follow him is now. And now, forever and ever. As long as you have breath in your lungs, your opportunity to follow him still exists. I'm thankful for that. Bow your heads with me for a second. preach sermons like this easily. I promise you that. They're equally hard on this side of the microphone. But you also don't listen to sermons like this and not have a response. So for me to just say all these things and then get up and leave, um, I don't believe sign a card, do anything like that. All I'm asking is you to get with Jesus right now in your heart. And if you're following God, if you're following after Him, just start ushering your gratitude and love to Him. If you're all in, I applaud you. Keep it up. Find more people to get along with you. Right? Be fishers of men. Bring more people with you. Multiply. But if you're not following God tonight, listen, let me tell you, this isn't a short story. This Jesus guy told you he's God and he was perfect. He came down as a man, lived the perfect life, came down in a way that we would not think from the Virgin Mary he came through. He did miraculous things. And then people wanted to kill him for a sin that he never committed. And they did just that. They put him on a cross thieves. He died on that cross, was put in a tomb, and his body was there three days. And three days later, defeated death, defeated sin, all for you and for me. He's gone back to heaven, and he's coming back one day for you and for me. That's the gospel. And that story there, that short little story that took me ten seconds, which is so much bigger than that, to be a follower of Jesus, all he says is, bless your faith in me. Believe these things that I have written to you. Follow after me. Turn from your sin. And eternally, he will keep you. That's the good news for you tonight if you're not following him. Guys, we've got to get serious. Playing games, it's done. we got to get real to follow after God. We're going to thank Him for His grace that allows us to do it day after day.